Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 30 of our Extra Lore, recorded live on August 7th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the God of War series. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those who are on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? Uh, it's I I I played for 20 hours. I have a 40 hour a week job. I'm tired. I'm a little beaten up. You might have gotten yelled at for not taking care of yourself. Yeah, I may have totally forgotten to eat dinner Tuesday night on the release night. Um, also, the only thing after work, which I get off of work around five o'clock, the only thing I had from five o'clock until 9 a.m. the next morning was a beer, and it was a yingling that Pins had sent me. So that was my only sustenance, including liquids of any sort in that I mean, time At least frame. it was a good beer. It was a good beer. It was very filling. Yes. Beer <laughs> tends to do that. I, I was just like, I, yeah, I got in big trouble because I did not do, I, yeah, I didn't take care of myself. But I've I made it to the Dreaming City. I'm level light level 500. I'm level like let me check real quick like 50. Yeah, I hit level 50. Yeah, nice. so I'm I I got through it. I pushed through it, but hey, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and then rounding out the usual team, we have the man who is known far and wide as the Destiny lore content cop, Spin Foil Farmer, and the one and only man who I need to remind every day to drink water and take care of himself, Beard Grizzly. <laughs> Beard, how are you doing tonight? Have you drank? Have you drank any water? Did you get up and walk around? You know that's a bold faced lie because <laughs> you asked Anon Big how he was doing earlier. Yeah, I know. totally so did. Don't even try. No. It. So I, I got. Uh, uh, so I started doing that. I saw that. the funny I about started that. Started yes. doing that, and then um, Z actually messaged me, and she was like, "Oh, I want in on this." <laughs> oh like, no. <laughs> I was like, all right, fine. That gives me a chance to alternate days. <laughs> because... uh, <laughs> uh, great. Guys. You got to send it like later on in the day, though, because otherwise I'm like either 
just waking up because I'm you're like, of a night who out. are you? What? I'm just like, hang on. I no, I didn't drink water yet because it just opened my eyes. Just <laughs> hang on. Just let me grab the glass, dump it on yeah, my really. face. Just it, all of a sudden, it's like that that coffee gift that we see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm doing good. Uh, it's been it's been a rough week as you could have imagined because you know kind of same predicament as Green. Not not full time job. I know I put in a lot more time in a Forsaken than I was uh, than Green was able to. But of course, family comes first, and plenty of other stuff going on besides. Um, I. I will actually at least say this. I am feeling 8 million times better, I think, this uh, this week than I have in a long time. Uh, frankly, because I finally claimed my YouTube bank. I was able to get my, uh, my bank to finally cooperate with uh, Google enough that I could get the cash out of there. Which, nice. long story short, paid off a lot of stuff that I was running into, uh, and I don't really have to think about it anymore, uh, and it's just a huge weight off my shoulders. Because, again, as much as I, I hate money as a circumstance, it is one of those things that, unfortunately, we need in life, because humanity likes to make it that way. Uh, but long story short, yeah, it just feels a lot better having that done and over with, mm-hmm. so that I don't have to think about it too much anymore. But, uh, it's uh, it's a good feeling for once in a in a realm of not having a lot of really good feelings until that happened. So, uh, the grind, however, before I get really <laughs> sidetracked, um, wow, why do I have my Legend of Accurus equipped? Uh, I am currently, I think, like five hundred one, five hundred three, somewhere in that realm between a couple of items that I've been able to, uh, to pick up. Uh, but everything pales in comparison to the fact that I figured out that the prodigal gear for Warlock <laughs> looks like the original Vanguard set from Destiny 1 Year 1. Oh, yeah. Some... And in addition to this, this is the set that Future War Cult adopted. So I kind of need this set at all times. <laughs> so you're grinding to upgrade all of it? I am quite frankly oh. just grinding to get a hold of it because I don't have all the pieces yet. Uh, I am actually at this point now, I don't have the bond if there is one. I, never, I didn't look yet to see. Uh, but I don't have the ropes. That's the only piece I'm missing. I got the helmet earlier. Uh, I have a couple pairs of the gloves. I have a couple, actually a few pairs of the boots. But the only thing that I don't have yet are the the robes. And I saw somebody with them before I left to work. And I got all kinds of giddy because it's the exact same look as what they had with Future War Cult back in the day. I just, I need it. I just, I, it needs to be in my life. Uh, just the fact that they have, they have that one. They have the original set from uh, House of Wolves and everything too, which I know that they've uh, brought back for every class. But... I'm I'm really ex- like I know some games really get a lot of flack for like the reskins that are done, but these are detailed, updated, heavy reskinned graphics and like redone to a heavy degree. Uh, you can see heavier tattering. You can see higher res detail on all of them. Just in general, Bungie did a really good job with the full. If you really want to call it a reskin idea, that's fine because frankly, it looks really good. 
Uh, and then aside from that, it's just the absolute matter that uh, it's the, the nostalgia piece and that it makes sense for that nostalgia to be back. Uh, it's just it's just really welcome to, to see it all. Uh, but just the grind, uh, like uh, Shattered Shore, uh, or Tangled Shore, sorry. Tangled Shore, Dreaming City, all of it is just absolutely amazing. The fact that all these bounties are back into the game now as well, and the fact that there's like a consistent grind that you can come back to each and every day with reason is fantastic. So kudos to Bungie in all they've done so far, especially like gameplay-wise. Lore-wise, I don't know yet because I haven't read a single thing. But at least gameplay-wise, it feels so good, and the story is so good. I know some of us have differing opinions on that, but it's so good! <laughs> well, last week, getting getting kind of into that, last week we did ask the community about their thoughts on the new DLC for Forsaken, or, or new DLC for Destiny 2, which is Forsaken. Uh, Green, did you did we get any responses, or was everyone too busy playing? We had seven responses. Um, one that is going to put Beard on edge. Uh-oh. And a lot, I mean, I've also been keeping kind of my ear to the ground with just the general community feeling with Twitter. And one, the response that's going to put Beard on edge a little bit was from Lux Regalia, kind of our buddy who's a PvP guy. And he said that even though the speaker said, I never said the Traveler spoke to me, doesn't mean the Traveler didn't speak to him. And he's referring to... I was with him when we when we were talking about this. Uh, he's referring to our subclass mission. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to talk about this right now. Please, please. I just want to play the game. I don't want to talk lore at the moment. Just let me listen. <laughs> but no. Um, a lot of people are really excited about the collections. Cal9 mentioned how he's really excited about the collections and the ability to read the lore in-game. A lot of people are excited about the amount of detail and amount of, well, both sides of the coin. People are excited about the grind. People are not excited about the grind. Um, <laughs> people are excited about having things to do, but they're not excited about having to um, collect so many things to do any sort of upgrades, I think is the biggest consensus at the moment. I really think the only thing that they need to to honestly work on, like planetary materials, I'm sorry, anybody that thinks the grind for planetary materials is bad. <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, it is realistically pretty easy to do anymore because mm-hmm. chests, patrols, and everything else, Public along events. with the yep, and along with the bounties that you get from the planetary vendor per day, give you stuff back. I'm not concerned with that. The one thing I am concerned with: masterwork course. They need to figure out a way to change that. And if it's something that opens up later. I will understand, but there needs to be something that opens up that allows us to get them a little easier. So far, I've seen a couple of uh, consumables that we can get that give you them after like a boss kill, for instance. Uh, And then otherwise, you can go to the spider to purchase at least one per day for 10 legendary shards. But you're not recouping those legendary shards at this point unless you've been and if you've been playing for a while, of course, there's been like no problems for you to spend that many. But right. it's just the fact that you're not getting them back very quickly just yet. Uh, and I think until we start to get a full set of armament, which again isn't going to happen that quickly because random rolls are back as well, 
and you're going to want to hang on to several uh, pieces of the same gear, mm-hmm. then that's where things get to be a little, a little tentative at this point. But we uh, have a bigger vault. We do. We we have a bigger vault, which is nice for holding those things, but it doesn't help me with getting more legendary shards. That's true. I that's, that's really... the only problem. Yeah, but you can buy a lot of materials from Spider now too. Well, and that's where the the shards come in too. But that's the the other part. the The glimmer economy has changed as well. Like it's a it has it's an economy that now matters towards like a more meaningful grind instead of like, well, let's see what random things I can get from Banshee today. Uh, you also get glimmer like nobody's business anymore too, which uh, right is kind of funny for the the lore aspect to say like how often you are supposed to get glimmer and what goes into glimmer. But the fact that you get it so quickly now is just weird. Anyway, I seriously could, like, gush and talk about the expansion at nauseum for the next, like, five or six hours, probably. Uh, there is that much inside of it that is good. Uh, we haven't even talked about, like, the triumphs and the collections yet. Uh, there, they, the, the thing I was going to say earlier, as I was talking with somebody... Uh, a lot of like the marketing material, the early trailers and everything said how they were pulling out all the stops and this is going to be their biggest end game that they've ever produced, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, man, I've heard those, those like, uh, you know, marketing tactics and tools for, for ages now. I, I completely understand where you're going with this. No, no, they were, they were telling the truth. They did, they did, they did a lot very well. So even if it's not perfect, which no game ever is going to be, uh, it is exactly where I hope that Destiny is going to uh, be at going forward uh, for the next, you know, the, the, this is our base for hopefully the next couple of years. Uh, and then when inevitably uh, Destiny 3 has to come out, I hope that this is the base that they consider, not trying to reinvent the wheel again which they don't need to Mm -hmm. i think we have spoken at this point to say this is the way we want the grind to be now improve upon that that's the only thing they have to do is improve upon it and i think that's where everything else will fall in line they take a lot of pressure off their development and design team they take a lot of their uh pressure off their sandbox team and they can let the writers do what they need to do etc it puts everything in the right spot. That's at least what I'm hoping to see as it goes along. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, I mean, like like normal, we always love hearing all the feedback. Uh, even mm-hmm. even our own feedback. You know, granted, it is fresh. It's a fresh batch of infer- or fresh event that is pretty. We're still digesting it, so you know there's oh there's a bunch of different thoughts that are still percolating. Really, there's so much. So but much. in order to allow those ideas to percolate just a little bit longer, I understand that you know some some people might be like, "Well, why are you doing it this? Why are you not doing a Destiny podcast this week?" And actually, that's the entire reason is because we <laughs> wanted to be able to really actually get through the game. Um, and as of recording the game, the DLC has been out for about four days. So yeah. to put that in perspective, again, not only is the game only been out for four days, but we have over 1300 new entries into the database that 
you know, granted, not all of those are lore entries, but there's actually a large chunk of lore entries. I think the the final count was somewhere around 200. Yeah, um, I think it was like 210, I think. Yeah, I, I think it because I know it's around there. I know that we just got a fresh update uh, yesterday with like 50 more. So and this is uh, also saying that we had some stuff that we uh, that was voluntarily like held back. Besides. Yes, and that's not counting the pieces that were held back. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. correct. There's even more that we we know is coming um, eventually. So I mean, yeah, yep. there's there's a to put that there's a lot of content is to be an understatement. Um, but I have to. <laughs> I have to rearrange how I'm going to deliver all of it because my whole idea of like how I sit and hermit myself for like four weeks and then come back and start talking about it, it ain't gonna work this time. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly the the one of the biggest points of excitement for me with the whole triumphs thing you were talking about is that now we have a very organic layout of how they see the lore being connected. Yes. And I yes. really appreciate that because it helps me kind of organize my own notes in a way mm-hmm. that is it. And, the, and for those of you who haven't had a chance or, you know, haven't had uh, the opportunity to, I really encourage you to go look at the the layout of the triumphs for the lore because it is it's a much more in my mind or in my opinion, I think it's much more organic distribution of how the things are broken out. And it, it's I also agree. something that can grow. Like yep. easily grow. Whereas with the grimoire, I love the grimoire, but the grimoire was very restrictive, which we all experienced near the end of Destiny, uh, yep. especially in Age of Triumph. We had to put cards oh. in sections that made no sense simply because they were named similar, uh, and it was actually a really big point of contention for a lot of people. Um, yep. This this new this new format, I think, makes a lot more sense. But it, um, it works oh, out it. very well. Yeah, yeah, uh, it works out very, very well. And it's also super easy to get into in game, which is a huge selling point for a lot of people. Um, and I yeah. know Green, I think Green, you had mentioned that a number of people had made that comment as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, just uh, the fact that it's there, you don't have to go anywhere. It's just it's right there. Right. Ah, uh, yeah, it's on their part. it's just yeah, it's just yeah, exactly. Um, so as always, we always love hearing everyone's feedback. We will continue to keep, you know, Green has her ear to the ground. I have my my ear to different surfaces, listening to rumblings on different levels. Um, make love sure they're hearing, clean. Mm, I'm not going to make any promises. Um, you know, mm. just uh, just let us know what you guys' thoughts are. The topic for next week is actually going to be, we're going to be looking at the new information for The Awoken. Uh, which is going to be a bit of a bit of a beast to to tackle <laughs> because I think at the f- initial count there are 95 new entries that we are we are going to yeah. cover. If so you five. Give me a list. Yeah, I'll get I'll get I'll get, I'll get you the list. I actually I actually reinstated the mind map for this one because there's so <laughs> much content. Um, so we will be getting the mind map back up and running. Uh, so that will be there for everyone to review. Um, Green, do you have any idea on questions for that week or for next week yet? Or do you want to wait and we'll post one later? I think I'm going to wait because there's a, if I say a question now and people listen to it, I'm just worried. Like, I don't know. I will come up with a question that is not spoilery. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. 
All right. Well, so I know um, I know everyone here might not necessarily be looking forward to dive into this discussion for the 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 topic for tonight, which is the extra lore topic of God of War. But I know we also want to give ourselves time to get through it, like I've said. So let's run through our standard intro notes and then we'll get right into it. In our last extra lore episode, we took a brief look at Warframe. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews in particular are extremely helpful, as they help us show up on charts, and that helps others find the FFC community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. As with the normal chat topics, Extra Lore is decided by the community through a monthly poll. After the month's discussion has come to an end, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our website. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. Extra Lore for September is going to be a discussion on the lore of Cyberpunk 2077, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in. With all that out of the way, where does everyone think the best place to start is when looking for a really basic understanding of the God of War series? So, you know what they say at the beginning <laughs> of Doom, where they're like, rip and tear until it is done? Doesn't that just sum up Kratos like, in a nutshell? <laughs> it kind of, well, especially in the first, like kinda, the first title, yeah. the first era yeah. of titles, it really does. Yeah. Um, I'm going to actually just uh, kind of a jump to jump ahead a little bit to the end. The new title that came out, which is also confusingly called God of War, it's actually God of War Four, but um, the I have a YouTube video where I believe it was Gamespot sat down with the director. Uh, Corey, uh, Corey, I forgot his last name. Um, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, Corey Barlog. Um, Mm. and he kind of talks about the development of the story and like the, especially the ending, because there's a, there's a twist at the ending of the new God of War. Uh, Most people know it, but there's a twist and he kind of explains why that twist kind of like how it happened and all these other like really cool little trivia points. But he actually also gets into the big difference between the first era and the second era of the series, um, mm-hmm. which is it's it's a very big development jump for them. Not only are they jumping from pantheons because uh, they're moving from the Greek to the Norse, but they're also moving from the revenge esque story into like a a um it's not necessarily hope but it's it's like redemption father son redemption yeah it's 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 about like the way he says it is like it's basically like this that title especially god of war 4 is especially based around uh the team's view of like how parents will 
will try to be perfect in the eyes of their kids. Like they try to present themselves as the best that they are and not necessarily as the, as the true, like you don't, you don't show your true self to your child. Like you show yourself, you show what you want your child to emulate or you try to. And then like the growth of the child in, in like the realization that their parent is not a perfect human, like which granted if you if you've watched any of the cutscenes at all, um, Atreus does not have that view of Kratos uh, in any sense uh, because their relationship is kind of tint, like it, it's really rocky. Um, but Kratos, like you get to see everything from Kratos's point of view in the game, and so there's a lot of stuff that Atreus doesn't see that Kratos like. There's a there's a number of times where Kratos like goes to comfort Atreus and then pulls back. Because he doesn't want his, you know, it's like basically he's like he doesn't really know what he's supposed to do. It's a very interesting development for Kratos because Kratos is, you know, he is the god of war. He is the the god slayer from the earlier, the first era. And so mm-hmm. now he's he's in the second era. He's now, he's no longer, he's actually up against challenges that he can't just bludgeon. Like he right. has to, he has to be aware of subtleties that for the most part he's ignored because of, and, and we'll get into this a little bit because of the events, especially in, um, Ascension and then in the initial God of War, uh, Kratos never had the exposure to, to a, um, uh, I don't even want to say it's the healthy, but like he never had exposure to a life that wasn't what he, we see in the games. Like mm-hmm. that has been his existence for years. Um, you know, and that's the only thing he knows he's been, that's the only thing he's been allowed to remember for a lot, for a large part of things. And so to have, to have Atreus now be present in the game it's very interesting dynamic because, and you see this like in the growth of Atreus too, you, you like, he starts off being like super hesitant and super awkward in a way. Um, he's always like tripping. He's always getting in the way of things at the beginning of the game by the midpoint of the game. And to, especially to the end of the game, Atreus actually kind of starts coming into his own. Uh, and like, he has a completely different fighting style than Kratos, which makes sense again, given the ending and what you fi- what you find out about Atreus. It makes perfect sense. Um, and then also, he's not Kratos. Like Kratos is like you know the Great Wall of a human being. Like he's just this massive cre- uh, creature. I think of the of the Asir gods. I think Thor is the only one that is about the size of Kratos. Uh, mm. Cause like there's, there's uh in the fight and again, we'll kind of get into this a little bit, but in, one last thing is in the fight, you see uh you see a lot of Balder in the new title and Balder's like super tiny compared to Kratos. Like he's a Wait. Balder, Balder is a big guy. Like he is a big guy, but compared to Kratos, he's like tiny. Um, hmm. So it's, it's like, I mean, Kratos is just like, I mean, again, Kratos is like a mountain of a human being. And then Atreus is like a normal kid. So like, so it's even funnier because Atreus is like normal size. Like you're a normal human kid. And then there's Kratos who's, you know, roughly three to four times his size. Um, yeah, Black Flag in chat, he said, yeah, Kratos is having to kind of learn how to be human. And that's right. that's a 
big challenge for for Kratos because he just he hasn't had to at all. But especially as the ghost of Sparta. Oh and yeah. All yeah. of his humanity being taken the way that it was and all Yeah, and that's a lot of yeah, ways that by Ares gets, or otherwise. That, yeah, that Ares cool. Ares yeah. So I mean to kind of the, the um, amount of if you if you want to bleep this you're more than welcome the amount of dickatry that Ares puts <laughs> him through is which is just like insane oh my gosh it is so like watching so I watched all of the cutscenes back to back which is really tough in the in the fi- like in the most recent one not all of them God all of them yeah. would be I would still be watching but so like one of the big things with the the new God of War is it's a, a seamless presentation. Uh, yep. There's no there's no camera splits, uh, which that that is actually a hilarious story on how that development happened. Uh, I encourage you to go go look that up. It's really funny. Um, basically, it was a uh, the guy who did it was told that I can't remember if he came from Tomb Raider or if he like what but whatever uh, studio that he was at. They told him that he was insane, and so he left and he came to God of War. They, he came to um, was it uh, Santa Monica. And um, pitched the idea to him, and they're like, "Yeah, that's a great idea." And they did it, and it's like one of the best selling points for the game. Like, it's right. beautifully done, amazingly well done, but makes watching cutscenes horrendously difficult because you don't know where it ends. And there's so many like <laughs> there's so many cut like because you know the YouTubers will compile like all the cutscenes back to back, and like in the right. in the old format of game that was really easy. You you had a start and you had an end point. Well, with God, of, like I think it's God of War. The new Tomb Raider is going to be another one that's going to be difficult. But like all these yep. seamless ones, they're like you can tell the 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 content creators like I don't know if this is like I mean it's still cinematically talking to you, but I'm in the middle of a fight. Like you you know it's it's this like really weird dynamic going on. It was just so like the back to back scenes that I was watching was like a five and a half hour YouTube video. It was like, but oh my gosh, it is beautifully well done like it's just mm-hmm. beautifully well done but sorry i'm gonna say i remember of uh what one movie i always think of when i think of like seamless uh creation as well uh a quiet uh, i think it was called quiet house uh, yeah but quiet that house was or that was... uh wasn't birdman the other one yeah that's another one um Quiet House, though, because it was a very, I don't know, I have a lot of very good, like, memories of that one, because my, that was one of the, the movies before my, uh, my sister left for California that we got to watch, but, uh, that was one of those films that kind of, like, always ingrains in my head as, like, uh, this, this is what you think of with, like, Seamless, and I'm like, the, the amount of care that needs to be put into each shot and whatnot to make that mm-hmm. work, yeah, and then translating it into translating that into a video game now compile all that seamlessness with the fact that now you have to contend with load times right uh, right well and then like i mean so transitioning in a movie is difficult because you have like actual physical limitations right um right. so you don't have the physical limitations in the video game but you right you have all these like hardware issues you have load times you have um the the logic of like how the camera angle and like you would think that would be easier without physical limitations i think it actually is more difficult because you have so many yep. more options to contend with 
Right. Um, well, I'm gonna say you've got lines oh of code God. that are the, like it's entropy, literally like fighting against you. Yeah, if I it, can oh quote God. ghost on that one for a yeah. little while. <laughs> it's just so, but um, to kind of to kind of come back, um, God of War is really, I mean, the best example or the best description is it is an action adventure hack and slash. Uh, you know, if you've if you've played any of the title series, that is you, you completely understand where where that comes from. It is a literally hack and slash game, uh, but it is based off a really cool blend of mythological ch- uh, tales and legends. Uh, and it is currently currently it is still centered around the figure of Kratos, who was introduced as a Spartan warrior that was tricked by Ares into killing his his family at the time. Um, and that that tidbit is very important uh or it's not even i mean it's a very it's a very big turning point for kratos uh throughout the series basically kratos be i mean you you realize that kratos is actually a demigod uh pretty early on and basically the first what's called the first era of the series which is the first seven titles um he's basically working his way through the greek pantheon um, and when I say working his way through the pantheon, I literally mean he is killing all the gods that have caused um, him harm or have done crimes or any plotting against him or any of his or any humanity, really. I mean, he, he pretty much is a wrecking force, reckoning onto the Greek gods, the Olympian gods. Um, at the end, uh, which is basically God of War three. Uh, he has completely destroyed the Greek pantheon. Uh, and then at that point, and this is another thing that kind of gets discussed in that YouTube video that I had mentioned earlier with uh, um, the director. <clears throat> uh, at the end, he basically is like, he's done. He's, he's you know, he's he literally and figuratively, he is done. He has he is, uh, taken revenge on everybody that had wronged him uh, so far. Uh, and so he actually moves on. He moves into a world of uh, Norse mythology. He moves to Midgard. Um, and really the reason why he does this is because he's looking for something that is close to peace. He's trying to find a way to to put behind him that the literal chains of Olympus that had that had bound him. Um, which is actually something that gets discussed in God of War four uh, about halfway through. Uh, he so he he is literally trying to free himself from the the chains that are that are wrapped around his arms, uh, which is something that he actually was able to do at the end of God of War uh, one, and then he reconnected with the chains. Uh, and we'll get into the Blades of Chaos just a little bit because they are still they are still around. Actually, his his the the telltale weapons of Kratos are still there. Um, And so he's trying to find a way to get rid of those. And basically he kind of gets a respite, but it's not full. And, and what he kind of comes into is a whole different level of battlefield in the sense of now, instead of a battle of revenge, he's actually in a way trying to protect his, his new family. Um, So it's a different motivation but it is still a battle of the gods and and you start seeing a really common theme of the gods are basically dicking over humanity even in the Norse pantheon uh mm-hmm. which is actually one of the first like one of the first things that Kratos like kind of says to Atreus there's there's um <clears throat> there's little things that you can find 
that are like, um, oh, I don't even know, I can't even remember the word for them, but they're basically like panel boards. And Atreus, one of the big points of Atreus in the game is like he's the he's one of the only ones who can read the runes. Because uh, Kratos like has no idea what they say because they're Norse. It's a different, it's right. a foreign language to him, literally. Um, and so he has Atreus like all the time. Atreus calls him out on it all the time. It's hilarious banter back and forth. But he's like, you just keep me around to read everything to you. And Kratos like is like, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just, but like one of the first times that they run into one of these panel boards and Atreus is kind of translating the story. And I think it, it wasn't tear. It was, um, I think it was Balder. I think it was the story of Balder. Basically, he, he, like, Kratos looks at him and he's like, yeah, so the gods are basically screwing with everyone. That's why we don't like gods. And it's just like, I'm like, oh my God, Kratos. Like, it's just, it's just the common theme for him. Um, so and you, and we've kind of talked about the characters a little bit, Kratos especially. Um, he Kratos is the main protagonist. He's, I mean, that's just who he is throughout the series that has been released so far. Um, I'll come back to Kratos in just a second. I wanted to run through a couple different names that will be important, especially in the first era. Uh, you have Athena, who is a actually who supports Kratos throughout the the majority of the first era. Um, Athena actually is killed in God of War three be in the fight between Zeus and Kratos. There's a, there's a bit of a, it's kind of a sad point where she tries to protect Zeus from Kratos, um, gets in the way basically. And he doesn't stop. Wasn't that in two? I think it might've been two. Was it two? That was, yeah, that's the ending of two by technicality. Like, if oh, you, that's if right. That's right. God because two yeah. to three, like they flow directly into each other, all the same. So it's like really easy to misremember how it goes. Right. But yeah, I, I I'm because like Gaia percent sure that that yeah. Gaia was in three though. Because right. Gaia was it, the one it, that they jumped into her and jumped into her throat or something. Right. Yeah. Three yeah. is actually where, uh, like, the ending of two is Kratos and the Titans climbing Mount Olympus. Three literally starts there. Uh, but two had to have had the uh, the death of Athena in a, a little bit before that. But that's just right. how... Right, and she returns the, as the a spirit. Yes, she returns as, like, the... And then she a, tries to continue to... And uh, chat yeah. is correcting me. She is manipulating Kratos. She is not supporting Kratos. And I, I will I will uh, give yeah. them... I will give them that point because of what happens uh, when she comes back as a spirit. Um, yeah. I'm going to say, considering we're, we're, like, not even necessarily on that point yet. But yeah. But, my goodness, the stuff that she does. Well, yeah. And it's just... And all of them. I mean, Kratos really doesn't get a break. Like, that's, that's the no. other thing. It's, like, Kratos is, like he you kind of are like there's a point where you're like oh my god dude like calm down and then you start like actually thinking about what's happening to kratos and you're like uh-huh. no no i understand why you're pissed like that's that's pretty yep. effed up like that's pretty effed up yep. you you kind of do have a point um yep. gaia is another one uh that kind of is one of those like she she's a manipulator um so she starts off, she's introduced basically, uh, Gaia is the, like the Titan, the mother of pretty much a lot of things. Um, and her entire thing is revenge. Like she is all about wanting revenge on the Olympians, which is 
pretty normal for a Titan, given the Titan Maki and all that stuff. Uh, so she she originally starts off kind of being in Kratos's camp, um, but in the end, she tries to betray him, and so it's Kratos versus Zeus, and Gaia like interrupts the fight and tries to kill both of them. And basically gets killed herself in the whole scuffle, uh, which is an absolutely insane fight because Mm -hmm. which is pretty normal for God of War. Like the big fights are pretty crazy. Like this one is up even in in regards to that, Uh, because basically what happens is Gaia tries to interrupt the fight to kill them. Uh, I can't remember if it was Kratos or if it's Zeus, but one of them wounds her and then they take the fight into Gaia. Like they literally get it's it's she gets wounded in her neck, if I remember, and they literally get into her, like into her body. Yeah, Um, I'm going to say it's it's the the staging ground for the end battle. Right. Which uh, which then is which brings me to Zeus. Uh, uh Zeus is in the first title. Zeus is actually kind of like he's I guess I'll, I'll go ahead. Spoiler alert. Uh, you discover that Zeus is actually the father of Kratos. So, you know, which is, if you know Zeus's mythology, it's not a huge surprise. He kind of has, everyone is related to Zeus because of his inability to keep his pants on. Um, But initially, (laughs) I mean, really, I mean, really. Um, Yep. So initially, he was actually kind of a supporter of Kratos. Uh, but then you learn in God of War 2, uh, especially, I think it's... Uh, it's um, da, 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 da. I think it might be Betrayal. Hang on, let me make sure I'm remembering this correctly. Um, or it might... Ghost of Sparta. Ghost of Sparta hmm. is where... And this takes place immediately after the god of the first god of war but ghost of sparta you find out that really honestly zeus is just really kind of messing with everybody which again common theme here but he's really he's basically revealed to be the primary antagonist of the entire first era in god of war 2 and he actually is the final boss in god of war 3 um and this final fight is where gaia and zeus are killed by uh, a weapon that you actually only see very briefly in the series. It's, I think it's the Blade of Olympus, if I remember the name of it correctly. Uh, it's, yep, a, it's a giant correct. sword, and Kratos s- kills Zeus, and then in the way he kills Zeus, it's also killing Gaia. So he kind of right. literally two gods with one sword. Um, and then finally we come to the, the most recent primary introduction, and that's Atreus. Uh, he's introduced in the second era as the son of Kratos, uh, and then massive spoiler for those of you who haven't finished the title, you know, just give me about five seconds. Actually, I just, yeah, spoilers for here. Uh, he is actually revealed to also be Loki in the series. Now, there is a caveat, however, in the revelation that he is Loki in that he is also given the choice whether or not to take up that name. Um, which again, uh, the uh, the video with Corey, he kind of taught, he kind of mentions that as well. He Atreus has a very interesting uh, perspective because <clears throat> for his entire life, his he was raised uh, as Atreus. He, you know, that that's his, that's who he is, is Atreus. Um, 
And then at the very end, you find out that no, actually he's Loki. And it's kind of a cool revelation of how they, how they do that. Um, again, discussed in the YouTube video. Uh, but like, there's a point at which they make a point of saying, Hey, look, okay. Atreus has now got a choice. Like he can become Loki because he has grown in the game. He has grown to a point where he is kind of able to make that decision, but he also could, you know, he can take up the name and he can take up with, you know, the full knowledge of the mythology. That is what is lying with that name, with the whole thing with Thor and, you know, the, the whole, uh, Ragnarok situation but he also could not like he has a choice here. Does he follow the path that, you know, is supposed to be f- what he's supposed to do? Or does he try to fight against the fates, which given that he is related to Kratos is kind of lucky for him because Kratos has actually killed the fates. So in the Greek pantheon, like he, I mean, like Kratos is no no stranger to fighting against fate and no stranger to fighting against destiny of, of a kind. Um, and to kind of come back to Kratos for a second, I want to talk about his weapons, which are very, very paramount in the series. And that's basically the blades of chaos. Um, and then in the second era, we have the Leviathan axe and the guardian shield. Um, the blades of chaos were the primary weapons of the first era of for Kratos and Gaia actually describes them as being forged in the foulest depths of Hades. Once attached, the blades remain so chained and sheared to the flesh a part of the bearer's body, the permanent reminder of Kratos's pledge. And these were the pair. So they're the pair of chained blades that were fashioned by Ares for a servant who would prove worthy of his service. Forged the darkest depths of the underworld by Ares himself, the blades were imbued with fire, which allowed them to ignite with every attack. The blades' chains would stretch out for a set distance with each attack, which allowed fluid movement no matter who wielded them. The chains of the blades were permanently seared onto the forearms of the wielder, who was Kratos, which served as a reminder to their oath to the god of war. The chains could only be removed either by the god of war himself or when the wielder's time of servitude ended. However, there was a caveat that when their creator was dead or is dead, with a servant still owning them, they could be removed or equipped whenever needed. So after the fall of Ares, the blades were actually never seen again, but Kratos actually was uh, given blades of Athena, who were, which was modeled very similarly. Um, the other thing that happened is after he kills Ares, Kratos takes his place as the god of war. Uh, and and as part of that, he gains access to all of Ares' weapons, which includes the Blades of Chaos. Um, and so he actually reacquired them. However, at that time, he vowed to never use them again, though several years later, he did bring the Blades with him to the Norse realm, where he would hide them under the floorboards of his cabin. Uh, and, and basically that is where we kind of get this kind of pick back up. The blades of chaos get reintroduced because what happens is in the God of war four title, he learns that, um, Atreus falls ill because of some of the stuff that's going on with Atreus as far as being Loki and the contrary natures within him. And one of the main ingredients needed to treat Atreus is in Helheim problem with that is Helheim is basically a land of ice. So the Leviathan axe, which is a predominantly ice weapon, has no no functionality there. So in order to uh, be able to traverse Helheim, he has to re-equ- he has to reequip the blades because they're flames. 
Um, and so he, he brings the blades back, binds their chains once again to his forearms, and then takes up the mantle again to save his son. <clears throat> In the um, second era, we get a new weapon, the Leviathan Axe. Uh, and this is actually a really cool little thing. I got a bit of a, I got stuck down a bit of a rabbit hole reading about the Leviathan Axe because it's really actually an interesting development for this this title. Uh, it's mm. a two-handed war axe that was forged by the Holdra brothers, who are two characters that we we meet in God of War Four, who are Sindri and Brock, and they also forged Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. Uh, and after, and, and so they forged the Leviathan axe and Mjolnir after, uh, the destruction brought about, or uh, sorry, I misspoke. They forged the Leviathan axe after Mjolnir because Thor, who is presented in the game kind of as a, uh, heartless murderer, uh, which is actually pretty accurate to the actual representation of Thor. He was kind of a, a power hunter or not a power hungry, but he was a, a a uh, very short-tempered individual with a lot of power. Let's just put it that way. Um, <clears throat> so basically, he, he reigned destruction a lot with Mjolnir. And so they, they felt responsible for the destruction brought about by Thor, so they made the Leviathan Axe. And the reason why this is important is that the Leviathan Axe was designed to oppose the power of Mjolnir. Um, and it was actually inspired by the size of Jorgmundr, uh, and that is where it gets its name, Leviathan. There's a bit of a tidbit there, um, and I can't remember where I read it, but it was one of the developers made a comment uh, because Leviathan is the same as the Christian old, or the uh, Old Testament sea monster, and someone asked him about it, and there was a comment at the end of God of War Three about monotheism, uh, originally, mm. originally the the idea was that at the end of God of War three, they were going to use that as a springboard to explain where monotheism comes from. Um, however, they chose not to go that route, and so they went. Uh, you know, they went to uh, him exploring different pantheons, and but the Leviathan Axe was kind of a throwback to that original original concept. Mm. Um. So, uh, yeah, so basically they, they named the, the axe Leviathan, um, and according to Sindri, when you first meet him in the game, the blade was made for and given to Lafay, uh, who, or Faye, who was Kratos's wife and the mother of Atreus. And so when Lafay passed away, she gave all her, you know, all her stuff was then given to Kratos, and that's how Kratos inherited it. Um, the cool thing about the axe is that it does have several runes that get that are inscribed and that continue to get inscribed on the blade that grant it different powers. And among them, the chiefly is the use of ice and then the very, very awesome ability to recall the weapon from any distance. So just like, you know, again, the reason why they kind of explain this connection to Mjolnir and that that's actually one of the big reasons is because they wanted that ability to, to snap the weapon back into Kratos's hand, similar to the blades of chaos. Um, the second big weapon or kind of equipment item for Kratos is the guardian shield. Uh, and anyone who has played the fur, I believe it was the first one will recognize the functionality. It's very similar to the golden fleece that we had in the first era uh, but the Golden Fleece had been destroyed by Kratos' father, 
shortly after, I, I want to say it was God of War, but it might have been God of War 2. Um, but basically, the Guardian Shield is a retractable shield, which just basically gives Kratos a form of protection against attacks. Um, and that's really kind of the big, big thing for Kratos. Um, Atreus, uh, the primary weapon of choice for Atreus is a weapon called the Talon Bow. And this is a longbow that was made by a yew tree <clears throat> by Atreus's mother. And the reason why she did this was she wanted to teach him how to wield it uh, during practice hunts. So that's a big selling. That's a big point in the title is Atreus actually doesn't know how to hunt really well in the beginning. And Kratos, it's one of the first thing that Kratos kind of shows him how to do. Um, Faye actually purposely made the bow to be larger than usual to allow Atreus to grow into it over time, which is why the if you look at the sizing of the bow against Atreus, it's like comically over large. Um, during the journey of God of War 4, they encounter an individual named or who goes by the name Witch of the Woods, and she gives the bow a magical string that can be imbued with the light of Alfheim. And that allows its arrows to become uh, basically light elemental arrows, uh, which then gets used later in activating light crystals, uh, which is basically hard light. Um, and then later, Sindri will use a tooth of, I can't, I don't even want to try to pronounce this name, but I'm going to try it, Horaziel. Uh, which basically is a dragon. It's one of the older dragons, and he uses a tooth from that dragon to imbue the string with lightning ability. So he actually can uh, imbue its arrows with either electricity or light energy, uh, giving him a bit of a giving him a bit more punch to his attacks. Um, and so Atreus actually does again kind of seem inclined to be able to enchant his arrows. Uh, and then basically those incantations in game depend on the element that he's being, or that he's using, uh, or if he's frustrated, which is hilarious watching people play as Atreus or play with Atreus and Atreus, when he misses, he gets really frustrated he starts screaming obscenities. It's really funny. <laughs> Black flag in chat. He's a man child with a nuke on his hip with regards to the Leviathan axe. Oh God. I mean, it kind of, yeah, he kind of is. It's on point. And I think, I mean, that's pretty much a a basic introduction to uh, the characters and the weapons. Um, Beard, can, do you feel comfortable taking a little bit of the plot uh, from the beginning? Yeah. Uh, The problem with the plot of uh, God of War is that it kind of like jumps around. Uh, it, it, in a lot of ways, pulls the Kingdom Hearts, uh, but it actually makes sense of its timeline, unlike Kingdom Hearts. Uh, <laughs> the pieces, though, overall with the plot of the series, uh, kind of reading off what uh, Blue has here, the first era of the series is based heavily on Greek mythology and holds vengeance as a central theme to all installments. The second era moves on to the Norse mythology and is still uh, developing in regards to the central theme, which at the moment seems to be more about guiding Atreus uh, than revenge against any particular god or pantheon, as was the case in the first era. Uh, Personally, I think it's going to be a passing of the torch idea, but we'll have to see as that goes along. Uh, And again, the, like, God of War 1, like we had had back in 2006, I believe it was, uh, 2005, sorry, we haven't 
we we see the story kind of develop in a linear timeline in a linear fashion uh up until a a certain point uh and really that point was god of war 2 and then it went all weird and wonky uh the first actually is god of war ascension and this actually takes place about six months prior to uh kratos unintentionally murdering uh his wife and daughter uh and this is basically how he or six months after not before i don't know why i said before uh and this is basically him falling into the dissolution of him basically being controlled by Ares. Uh, that was the thing in God of War 1 that we weren't too sure of, is like how how the events happened as they did, that he started to kind of develop and realize that Ares was the one to blame for a lot of the perceptions that he now feels. Uh, but Ascension, and then the next one, which I did get a chance to play, called uh, Chains of Olympus. Uh, Chains of Olympus is uh, where he... Uh, gets a chance to really delve into that story a little bit further. Uh, and he also goes in through, like, the, the underworld and everything for the first time. Uh, and, and this guy, if you, if you re- like, really want to know about somebody that goes to Hades and back, Kratos is your man. Uh, he literally cannot be kept down there for, for more than, like, a few minutes. It really feels like he's just all over the place. Uh, but Chains of Olympus uh, tells the story of Kratos' rescue of Helios uh, from the god of sleep and his battle against a conspiracy in the depths of the underworld during his days of being a loyal servant to the Olympian gods. And again, this is a point where uh, Kratos is still kind of thinking about a few things. He's still trying to figure out all that's kind of happening. Uh, and if I remember right, uh, Chains of Olympus' ultimate bad guy, I might have to look this up a little bit, uh, was Kronos. And Kronos would have been the titan of uh, of time. Uh, I know Kronos was in a few different pieces, a few different places, but uh, if I recall right, that is who was in the in the major point. Helios, though, of course, was the major point. This is actually where we see some of the... Uh, uh, a couple other pieces that uh, kind of developed even from uh, the the previous one with Ascension. There's a couple pieces of gear that they actually use originally, uh, and then they ended up having um, we ended up having the goodness, the fleece, the lion fleece that we were just talking about. Uh, there were a few other elements that they utilized to kind of make sense of that, and then they pull a Metroid by the end of everything where they take uh they they take Kratos's gear before God of War 1 starts. Uh and that character I was I was talking about before is not Kronos. It's my fault. It's Morpheus. Uh Morpheus is the one that is in control of that. Uh and just to you know bridge with that, I don't see a lot that I can like really quickly follow up with unfortunately for Morpheus. Uh but he is I know the one that kind of starts everything. Uh, of course, the whole thing with Helios, he's supposed to like move the sun and whatnot. Can't do that while he's asleep. So that sends the entire world into disarray, uh, utter, utter and complete darkness, uh, or at least over Greece, which of course we know with the way that mythology worked back in the day, Greece was the planet, right? Anyway, God of War then takes place 10 years in service of the Olympian gods and tells the story of Kratos', uh, Kratos Rebellion against and defeating the God of War, Ares. 
involving opening Pandora's box, which lays the foundation for later betrayals, in addition to giving Kratos immense power. A couple big takeaways when it comes down to God of War, because it was probably one of the best uh, overall games that I think I had played on the PS2 back in the day. Uh, and obviously, of course, we had God of War 2, and then we later had God of War 3 on PS3, but God of War 1 did such a good job with showcasing all these different elements that just never seemed to end. Uh, Pandora's box, for instance, having to uh, climb up onto a Titan to take that back was ridiculous. Uh, and then the fact that they also utilized what's in Pandora's box as this foundation of darkness afterward is also just ludicrous and ridiculous. Uh, that it, like, taints... Uh, Zeus heart and it basically becomes the foundation of like why Kratos is able to defeat Ares but also in essence what causes all of the events after this uh to occur is just terrifying to kind of think about uh but obviously of course you open Pandora's box you don't know what's uh, what's going to happen and you can't close it again after that though there's a comic series uh called God of War Betrayal uh, and this was released over the course of uh, just about a year, uh, but it was only a six-part series. It didn't last too long. Uh, but it tells the story of Kratos' mission to find and destroy the Ambrosia of uh, Asclepius. I feel like I butchered that, but oh well, deal with it. Uh, a talisman of limitless healing capabilities. It contains a number of flashbacks to his childhood and his rise through the Spartan army as well. Uh, and these are, this is, in a lot of ways, it doesn't necessarily uh, fit into the bill in, in between that timeline, except for a few events. But uh, just seeing his rise to power within the Spartan army is kind of nice, because it adds that extra element to Kratos that you didn't see previously. Uh, which then leads into some of the precursors to God of War 2. Uh, and this is Ghost of Sparta, which is another game that actually happens right after God of War 1. Uh, tells the story of Kratos' search for his brothers, uh, brother Deimos, uh, who he had believed to be dead. Uh, Deimos has been held prisoner by the Olympian gods, and as a result is more bloodthirsty than Kratos remembers. Uh, easily, I think, one of the best spin-off titles that uh, was released, at least in my opinion. Uh, I know that they got a bunch of different... Uh, redos on this one in a couple different places uh but it was it was a lot of fun uh and they kind of play with the the brother aspect a little bit more as we go along which i kind of like that they do in a way because it does make a little bit of sense uh but moving on to god of war 2 uh this tells the story of the betrayal of zeus uh nearly killing kratos and acting as a catalyst for the spartan to begin the journey uh, to change fate itself and have his revenge upon Zeus. This is literally where Kratos ascends everything. He kills the uh, the mistresses of fate. Uh, he absolutely rips apart the threads of fate uh, and basically ends and reverses any possibility of fate holding down humanity. And it changes a good majority of like what is going on with him and in terms of his fate, but it changes everything in terms of what's going on around Greece then at that point. Uh, death is realistically not a huge factor for most people because the threads of fate can't really weave death in, uh, and they can't constantly weave that uh, spot into it. It's 
that that's the whole idea with the threads of fate in short is that they hold the the life of a person onto them and that like each and every one of them is uh kind of like playing out up until their end of course in which case you're done uh but that's some of the basis behind like what kratos does he goes through all these different uh bits and pieces comes in contact with uh with icarus as well which gets to a a whole different thing as we get to god of war 3 uh and then we also see uh some of the other characters that uh like uh oh good grief i can't remember his name the the titan that gave us fire and i know everybody else understands who he prometheus. is off their head. prometheus thank you uh and prometheus is is one that you actually see his tail kind of carrying onward which is kind of grim and gruesome because you get to see that uh first person uh <laughs> not fun but the as i mentioned before with god of war one where kratos opened up pandora's box that's actually what causes zeus to like really be overburdening of kratos and his powers uh and and even though like kratos as a god of war is kind of abusing those powers very much uh it is just a matter that like zeus is looking at this going mm, not really happy with this really kind of fearing that he's going to go ahead and overthrow everybody don't like it and he still could have he very well really could have because kratos was just hateful of everybody at that point uh which moves really to god of war 3 where it tells the story of kratos brutal elimination of zeus after a thorough journey uh through olympus in addition to uh a battle within and against himself uh and as we had mentioned before with god of war 2 to pan back slightly to that it basically ends with the death of Athena. However, Athena pops back with God of War 3 as a spirit, and she's supposed to be the spirit of justice or something akin to that. I can't remember exactly what now. Uh, but she guides Kratos through from spot to spot, and then once uh, it gets to the end, uh, she basically utilizes the power that is released from Zeus uh, which I think then goes into the Blade of Olympus. Uh, Kratos then goes ahead and says, oh no, I've got one other way I can go about this. Stabs himself with the Blade of Olympus, and that's where you think it's all supposed to effectively end. Uh, and of course, with the Threads of Fate being tattered and ripped apart, uh, nothing can really end Kratos per that point. Uh, or at least, so you're led to believe. Uh, but that's the the ultimate irony is that even though he was supposed to be in the beginning of God of War Two, supposed to be stabbed and killed uh, by the blade uh, by Zeus, uh, by the end of it he ends up doing it himself after he ends up going on his complete revenge and uh, vengeance uh, escapade throughout the entirety of the story, uh, and that is basically all that's going on within like three and two. They're they're all. Uh, kind of playing into the same story very well. And then there is... Uh, that. That's basically the end of uh, the, the first era of God of War. Uh, and I think at the end of... Uh, I think it was actually at the end of God of War 1, there was this thing that they were going to do, uh, apparently like an after-credits scene, where helicopters kind of fly over uh, the of a Pandora's temple... It's still sitting on top of the the Titan, and we're just like, what? 
What are you going to do? You're going to make it a first-person shooter next time? Uh, obviously never happened. Uh, but anyway, God of War, a call, to, uh, a call from the Wilds, is an introduction to Atreus. Uh, and this is where we begin with Era 2. Uh, and Era 2 actually starts to begin, of course, with the... We're, we're done with the Greek gods. They've been absolutely sh- just shunned. Uh, and Kratos goes off and now does his own thing now in the Norse world. Uh, and, of course, we've already talked about God of War 4 pretty hard. Uh, but tells the story of Kratos' attempt to put the past behind him and start over a new in a new land. But that proves to be something that might not be possible. Uh, and then the ending is explained by Corey Barlog uh, further down as we kind of go, because there are some segments that are cryptic, but I would expect that of most game stories today. But that is the basic plot of uh, of God of War in a nutshell, uh, from kind of beginning to end. I know I'm probably not remembering everything, because it's been several years since I played anything but God of War 3. Uh, only because they had that for uh, PlayStation Plus members a couple times now for free. But uh, God of War 3 was one of the... uh, is one of my more memorable titles I think I played from the uh, PS3 into PS4 era. uh, Only because of the graphic capabilities and all the other stuff that goes into it and just the fall of Zeus and Olympus and seeing that finally come to fruition after having played the series for like uh, I think close to 10 years at that point was just awesome. But uh always fond memories of God of War. I I cannot wait to play the fourth one because I have yet to, but I'll get there. Yeah, the fourth one's really cool. Um real quick, <clears throat> at the end of 3, the explanation for the transition. Uh mm-hmm. did you talk about the release of Hope? Apologize, I was away for a second. Uh, I did not. Okay. I, I kind um, of forgot about that actually. Yeah. Well, the, the only reason I bring it up is that, um, that is the, pretty well into four, doesn't it? Yeah. That's the, that's the explanation <laughs> of why the world doesn't like end after. Cause like right. that was the whole thing was like, uh, Athena's whole protecting Zeus was not because of like any loyalty she felt to Zeus arguably uh it was because she was like no if you if zeus dies everything falls apart which kratos's response was like yeah and like he was like i don't care but um Mm -hmm. he uh at the very very end uh so like he basically you know he he has opened pandora's box all this nonsense all this like insanity is going on um and so like we it kind of throws back into God of War when he first opened the box to defeat Ares. Not only did it uh, unleash all the evils that had been initially captured by Zeus, and it actually infected all the gods. Um, but Kratos had not gotten in, had not gotten uh, affected by it for some reason, and no one really understood why. Um, it, and then they found out that Kratos actually acquired the power of hope which was a power that Athena had put in the box uh, basically because there was so much darkness in it that if it ever got open, hope would need to be present to, to help. Um, and so Kratos during this entire time, they're one of the reasons that they explain is Kratos has like this immense power is because he has like pretty much pure hope buried within like everything, um, which is where you kind of get the, the battle against himself because, you know, he's he's got all this anger, this sorrow, this, like, just rage 
Um, <clears throat> and underneath it, though, underneath it, you know, behind, sorry, hang on, <clears throat> excuse me, underneath all of that darkness, even within himself, he has this pure hope. Um, and so at the end of God of War 3, it's it's basically a struggle to, you know, let that hope come out. And uh, Athena, as the spirit, uh, presents to Kratos the 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 I, uh, the ultimatum basically that she's she needs him to release the power of hope to return it to her so that she can become queen of Olympus and restore the world and Kratos as as Kratos, Kratos normally does. does basically gives her the finger and impales himself on the blade of Olympus which releases hope to all of mankind and actually prevents the destruction of the world um, right. which pisses Athena off uh, beyond belief because uh, you know she basically is like humanity won't know what to do with all this power um, and she removes the blade of Olympus from Kratos and then vanishes though I don't if I remember correctly she doesn't actually take the blade with her the blade just kind of disappears um, yeah and this is where a lot of people have the theory that Athena was actually infected with the evil of greed uh, which is kind of hinted, I think, because when she uh, when she comes back as a spirit, she's kind of tinted green quite a bit. Um, so she she's just like that's where a lot of people are like, oh no, she was infected by greed. That's where it was. She actually does show back up in God of War four, um, when Kratos is putting the when he's reacquiring the blades and reequipping them because it requires him to voluntarily uh uh infuse or not infuse but uh merge his skin with the chains uh which is kind of an interesting thing but like as he's like rechaining himself to the blades she shows up at his house <clears throat> and starts making fun of him uh and starts mocking him and you know like basically like you can never change you're always going to be a monster to which Kratos has like one of the best comebacks He's like, he like completely just looks at her and he goes, yeah, I am a monster, but I'm no longer your monster. And then just walks Mm. right through her. It's like one of the best. I I love that particular scene. Um, And it's like, she just, she's so pissed. It's so funny. But uh, yeah, so she, she's still around. Uh, She is still kind of out there. We, no one really knows in story wise where she is or what she's doing. But the fact that she is still out there um, is, is going to be interesting because, um, because of the way that the Norse pantheon is shaping up, especially with Mimir. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like the, the explanation of Mimir has towards everything kind of going wonky ish. Mm -hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see if she plays, uh, anything. She plays a role in that because of her affliction with greed. I'm going to say just, yeah, black flag thought that, (laughs) that, that whole, that whole scene was just hilarious. Obviously not with, uh, with, oh no, not not, not with hope. Yeah, not with hope. The the and God of War four when Athena reappears. It's just like it's one of those things where Kratos is just like he completely and utterly owns what he is. Yeah. Like it's just well, it's just oh my gosh, it's so good. That's where I that's where I almost wonder like Athena doesn't have much else to go back to at that point. Uh like she no longer has the ability to to take hope on or otherwise. 
and restore Olympus, so now she's just a wandering soul. And now at this point, she just is like, well, got nothing better to do. Let me just go badger Kratos, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much, it's just like, I don't have, I don't have any power, I'm just gonna pester this guy. But it's yeah, like, because really. she that's, shows up twice. Uh, she shows up once earlier, and like, just like, stands there. Um, right. I can't remember. She like she's just like a vision, and like basically Kratos just be, just tells her like get out of my head, and she just disappears. So like we don't like throughout the game, you're I, you're not really sure if it's actually Athena or if it's this like latent memory of Kratos's that's like still plaguing him a kind in kind of a way. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's uh, I, I like I like a lot of people have the theory that she was infected by greed, um, and that kind of explain it actually kind of retroactively explains uh, in uh, God of War three how she kind of changes from wanting to protect Zeus to being like, nope, we're gonna kill him, because that was a pretty drastic change as well. Right. But I'm trying to think. I mean, that was pretty much it. And then I just, I did want to also make sure I already kind of talked about it, but the game director's uh, interview, I'll put that mm-hmm. link in the show notes as well, because it's really, I, I really liked it. And, you know, he has, there's a lot of really cool trivia tidpoint, uh, tidbits in that, that video. I think it's like a 15, 20 minute video. So it's not very, it's not a super long one. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a lot of really cool little trivia points that he's talking about, like, um, development cycles and like how like things got figured out. Like um, apparently I didn't, I did not know this, but apparently GameSpot had inadvertently like nicknamed Atreus before Atreus's name. They apparently posted an article calling him Charlie. And like, I, I, they're like, even and the two guys who were doing the interview, like even the, I, I want to say it was IG. It might've been IGN. I, pretty sure it's GameSpot. Um, I, I'm sorry if I'm misspeaking there, but the one of the guys, one of the two that were interviewing Corey was the guy who like wrote the article, and it was from like four mm-hmm. years, three or four years ago. So like he, he was like, I don't even remember where we got it. He's just <laughs> like, he's like, it was just, just well, um, the uh, just like one of the fun trivia points. The witch of the wilds lives underneath a turtle. And apparently they named the turtle in the game Charlie. Like <laughs> the turtle's name is Charlie. And it's like an Atreus. Atreus actually says it in game. Like it's it's one of the um it's the second time you meet the witch. So like you meet the witch and then she there's a whole story uh that happens and then she, I think that's when she gives you the Bifrost, or it's when you get the Bifrost. But basically, they're they're coming back to to meet her after they've gotten uh, the piece that they needed. And mm-hmm. and as you walk in the glade, Atreus goes, "Hey Charlie, how's it going today? Where's your uh, Where's your friend? Is she here?" And <laughs> Kratos is like, "What? <laughs> like he's just like, who are you talking to?" And he's like, "Yeah, his name's Charlie. He told me that." It's like, oh my god. 
I, it was, which that feels again, like such a surreal know, moment. Oh, considering it's, the naming schemes I, of Norse, yeah. How well, Charlie and it was like fit. Well, and that was kind of the whole thing was they were like, how did, because that was Corey was sitting there and he's like, how did you even come up with this? Like, this doesn't even make, like, Charles, I mean, it's not even that makes sense in Norse mythology. They're like, Uh we don't know. They're like, we have no idea. Because <laughs> uh, one of the things that he kept saying was he was like you know I'll I'll be in interviews and I'll say something because like he's got like a really dry sense of sarcastic humor and he says that a lot of times he'll be he'll be just joking and the person who's doing the interview will misunderstand it and he'll take it as a th- so he said like he saw the article and he was like oh did I say something did I say something that they, that I was joking and they thought was real? Did I do this? And he's like, I'm pretty sure I didn't say anything. Like, where did you get this? And they're like, we don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's like one is it's that it's that type of trivia stuff that is kind of included in there. It's just hilarious. Um, but yeah. And then also the, the fact that Atreus can speak to animals, um, which again, going to the whole Loki thing makes a lot of sense. I'll also link, I, I said this in the Discord chat. I'll also link to the God of War wiki. Uh, they have an amazingly well done wiki site that does a very good job in explaining quite a bit. Uh, and, and you know, they don't have a really strong uh, explanation of like a summary of the plot because it's it's a wiki site that is broken out by like individual granular pieces. Um, but that's my only complaint about the site. Everything else they, they've done amazingly well. It's very well laid out. Um, and I'll be sure to get those notes in there or uh, that link in the notes as well over on our site. Um, I think we have like a pretty good summary of what's going on here. So I'm going to say that's the basis and then some realistically, um, I mean, there's, there's tons, like there's a ton of stuff that you can talk about. Well, you're looking at, especially with Era 1, you're looking at uh, Greek mythology and Mm -hmm. the amount of players that exist within that that you can then kind of link off of is fantastic. Um, Like I had mentioned with uh, Ghost of Sparta, how they were playing with the brother aspect of Deimos. Yeah. And then they ended up playing with God of War 3, where they ended up saying that Hercules was also uh, uh, a brother of Kratos. But I think that was more in relation to him being like a brother of Sparta. Mm-hmm. Um, but Athena, they, they really, Athena was a sibling as well. Right. Like, by all technicalities, they all really fit into that bill. Uh, and that was the the thing that I think at the end was kind of the the jarring aspect of it, if you will, was that it was like more of a family revenge story than anything <laughs> else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tur- it turned just, into, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was. It wasn't just like this human that turned himself into a god and then was a demigod and so on. He had these capabilities long before he even knew it. Uh, and Gaia knew about that and just absolutely manipulated the heck out of him. It was so but, well because Gaia Gaia explained it as like so. It was a it was a cyclical thing because yep. Zeus had done Zeus had killed his father or well. Zeus had overthrown his father and then she was like, well, yeah, because Zeus is your, like you're, you're, it's like a predestined type of circle, you know, that they're stuck in. 
as far as like that whole that whole explanation from Gaia's point of view is like, no, you're going to overthrow your father because he overthrew his father. And that's kind of how this whole thing works. And so and that's where Zeus's um, I think they said that's kind of where Zeus's apprehension of Kratos kind of comes from is like he knows how this goes. Like (laughs) that's that's the whole thing with Deimos that they that he um, he uh, took Deimos because the I don't uh, I don't know if you remember the prophecy, but it was basically like the marked the marked. Oh, God, what was it? It was something about the marked warrior will like bring you like destroy everything. And so Demos had a birthmark that is very... That's where Kratos gets the tattoos. Um, right. Is Demos's birthmarks were the same as Kratos's tattoos. And so... And I think it was Hermes that stole Demos. But it, it basically, Demos was held prison by all the Olympian gods in, I think it was Atlantis? Can't remember the location. But he was he was held... He was held um, prisoner by the Olympian gods because they were afraid of him because of a prophecy. Well, Mm -hmm. the problem was, is that when they stole Deimos in front of Kratos, Kratos went out and basically tattooed himself in the same uh, pattern of Deimos's birthmark, which then leads to the self-fulfilling prophecy of Kratos being the one who is the marked warrior that brings about all the destruction. So like, it's again it's like the um it's like the uh the the it's a very common trope in myth i just blanked on the entire name of it um it's the oedipus cycle like the uh it's it's the self-fulfilling prophecy that by trying to avoid your fate you actually create your fate um and that's really what happened with the olympian situation was they were trying to be like hey we're gonna we're gonna get ahead of this and you know nip it at the bud well, no, what they actually did was they created an even bigger monster by doing that, that then that monster turned on them, and they, that was the entire cause of that whole thing. What's that? You mean being dishonest and wanting to ruin other people's lives is what caused the problem to begin with? Go figure. Oh, yes, anyway. sorry. I was reading chat. Uh, Black Flag, yeah. Black Flag also points out that Kratos was scarred because it was Ares. Okay, Ares was the one who took it, uh, took Demos. So he was he was scarred in trying to prevent... Because Demos was his older brother, if I remember correctly. Um, and Demos was the one that was like... He would always push Kratos. Like they were... I mean, Sparta, so it was a very violent, you know, existence in general. But Demos always wanted to push Kratos and, you know, make him do, like, get better and better and better. And then Demos got taken and Kratos tried to stop him from being taken and basically get scarred in doing so. And then also he does the whole tattooing thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. so it was, it was a very interesting. And I think that all got real. I want to say that got. I'm trying to remember where that gets told. I, I think that was actually in the comics. The god, which takes place after uh, the God of War, the first God of War, right? That um, sounds right. But yeah, I mean the the whole thing, the whole first era is just one screwed up family reunion, really. Which I mean, again, Greek pantheon's not a huge surprise. That's kind of yeah the lay of the land for that that particular pantheon. Yeah. And then, yeah, and Black Flag kind of points this out, too. 
uh, that is also what kind of spurs Kratos's um, uh, aggressive parenting of Atreus is that he's trying to break the cycle. Um, like he he's trying to he's basically trying to make Atreus's life better than his, which goes ties back into the whole parenting thing that they are really kind of strongly pushing. I mean, dad of war was a legit meme for the longest time, uh, from God of war four because Kratos like really kind of, he becomes, he, he is humanizing himself and he's, he, you know, he's, he's trying to make something instead of destroying, which is a very interesting thing for him. It's a very different battle for him to have to encounter. But I think that's, I mean, I really think that's actually it. Um, do you guys have any shout outs for this week? Beside the obvious one? Mm-hmm. Yes. Besides the obvious one of me being your number two villain. Okay. All right. I just wanted to get that one out of the way. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> the, uh, Obviously, the biggest thing goes towards Bungie because of their release of Forsaken. It is everything that they showcased it was going to be, and then some. Uh, and I just want to honestly say I hope it continues to be that way, and that if they can continue to be creative in the way that they want to be creative, that whoever was holding them back to begin with gets out of the way. That is all I'm going to say. Because uh, it is obvious that they had ideas and plans, and now it is just it's ludicrous what they've been able to do with the, the past... Uh, year i guess year-ish of development maybe uh less than that because live team really didn't get involved until january and then some so good on them uh but i will leave that one there because i don't want to carry on too much with destiny before i start uh you know gloating or, or talking about that otherwise um anyway the other big piece to really rattle into has just been the patience level that has come from the community because I know that no lore creator has made a video yet. <laughs> no. And I need to stress it's because we're literally trying to like look into everything that's going on. We're as it is. We're, it's not even a matter of digesting at this point. We're still trying no. to consume it. Like, yeah, it, it, I mean, and I'm not like, I mean, that's, that's how much is involved here. Like, and it's all interconnected. That's the other, that's the other thing. Like, it's not a matter of like, Oh, let's just look at the, you know, let's just read uh, a gambit, you know, a drifter's gambit. Right. Let's just yeah. look at that. No, because the entire thing with gambit ties into the whole issue of the new development of the taken story, which then ties into Aldrin, which then ties into, you know, like, I mean, it's like, it's all stair step together. And so, and it, which is awesome, but it's also, we have over 200 entries to go through. Yeah. And that's not even, that's not even the stuff that's in game. That's just entries. Like that's just text. That's not lines and items and. Yeah, no, it's just, it doesn't end. Like every time I think I get to a point where I can stop, I'm utterly shown that all of a sudden, no beard, you can't stop playing you still have to go further. And then I look back at my triumphs and my collections and I'm like, I really can't stop playing, can I? This is wonderful. This is just what I wanted to have happen because I want to create content too for this game. And it's a good thing. 
because the amount of stuff that is here, if what what it's gonna, all right, what its side gonna do is open up the doors for a lot of creators to step in and cover a lot of different avenues. You're not gonna have the same uh, different content creators really covering the same stuff near as much anymore, which I already didn't like doing. I only really did because I knew it was going to perform well for the channel, because that's how YouTube works, unfortunately. Uh, and realistically, like all the new stuff that is going to start to pop up is going to make such a big and significant difference uh, to mm -hmm. how we can all kind of view the lore uh, and how we can all kind of digest things differently from where it used to be. I, I really get this idea of uh, how it was in Rise of Iron and Taken King with all the stuff that we could really digest and take in uh, and all the different avenues that we could go down to kind of like look into it, see it. It was just, that was awesome. Those were good times. Uh, and this takes all of those thoughts, especially with me coming in at like the tail end on Rise of Iron and starting my content there. Uh, that, this goes into all of that and takes it to the nth degree. The amount of depth, the amount of, uh, the the amount of detail that they've gone into all the cross sections that they need to kind of showcase and display and then also needing to remember the basics of the stuff that all of this is based off of is going to be so important to remember and i think that's going to be the 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 thing that i'm anticipating and hoping for the most that's going to be just so fun to do once again is to just cross reference and start doing doing analysis as heavily as i and accustomed to doing because uh, this past week alone has made my brain tick i think more often than it has in probably the last year so i am very thankful for what they have done uh, but it's going back to that patience point it really is just going to be a patience point for many of us because with this being part-time for me and investing as much time as i do into talking with the community that unfortunately takes away from a lot of my time that I'm able to actually sit and read. Uh, and I would rather do the former than the latter because connecting with you guys is the entire point of this. Mm -hmm. So long story short on that angle, uh, thank you guys for your patience. We will get there. It won't be that long, but we're probably going to be really groggy when we, when we get done with it all. That's all I'm going to say is our brains are going to be fried this is true so yeah and I, I mean i agree a lot with what you just said beard i, I think that's a i think that kind of hits all the points on my on my list as well um just a quick reminder topic for next week is going to be an update on the awoken and then the extra lore content that is being discussed in chat right now is cyberpunk 2077 which i know a lot of people are excited for um it will probably be because of the way because of the amount of information that has that has not been released about 2077 because it is a pretty new title ish um and we don't really know a lot about it uh we will probably be covering the entirety of cyber the cyberpunk world um so you know don't worry if you don't know any don't know anything about that that's also going to kind of cover the basis there as well pretty similar to what we did tonight probably um other than that i don't really have anything else i hope everyone is having a great time playing either forsaken or i know spider-man just came out i think there was another one that just came out i just blanked on 
um, it's been a, it's been a good uh, good month so far, and we're only we're only a week into it. So I know a lot of people are having a great month, um, but I hope you guys are having a great great time uh, enjoying the games, whichever games you are enjoying. If you have a game that you'd like us to discuss, as always, let us know. I know there's been a couple that we added to the polls uh, for next month. And uh, content-wise, if there's something that you want us to discuss in Destiny, as always, let us know. Uh, we retrofitted the poll a little bit here simply or this week because of the new content that officially is now no longer in spoiler territory and we can actually feel comfortable talking about. So yeah, just give us you know give us a shout either on Discord, on Twitter, or wherever wherever is most comfortable for you, and we will see you guys next week. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>